to another episode of the Wenzel Perspective. Glad everyone is able to join us. First off of this segment, we'll start with some NFL debate. I know Cameron wanted to dab a little bit into the Minnesota Viking game, uh, Seattle Seahawks game from this past Sunday. And we'll go into some little, little fantasy football uh, list that Cam had put together. And then at second segment, we'll end off this episode by recapping the NBA Finals as the L.A. Lakers defeated the Miami Heat for the NBA championship. So we'll kick it off, and Cam, I'll uh, kick it over to you, and you can start off this segment with the Viking Seahawks. All right, so I have a lot to say here, kind of. I'm going to kind of keep it short. So recently, actually it was yesterday, I made, you know, the weekly recaps for our social media page, and I posted about how even though the Vikings have had a 1-4 start, they're still a playoff-quality team. Uh I just want to give a shout out to our uncle because he was giving me a little grief on, on Twitter there. And I was getting, I always love getting into a good Twitter argument, but I don't don't, know. Yeah, I do. I don't know how, I mean, I know it seems like this, it's like on paper, but like, if you look at it, the Vikings are a playoff quality team at one and four. If you look at the games they've played, they've had one of the toughest schedules in the NFL. You lost to arguably the number one team in the NFL in the Packers. You lost to a top two, three defense in the league in the Colts. You lost by in the last minute or two of the game to a top 10 team in the Titans, which that game you should have won. And then you lost to the Seattle, another top five team in the league, which again, you should have won. And then you also beat the Texans who are only have one win, but they are a pretty solid team. It's just that Bill O'Brien wrecked that team. So they could honestly, the only games that should, should have lost were the Packers and the Colts one. So they could easily be three and two. And this and last game, just to, just to cut you off here, just by reading like all these articles on the Texans, I think a lot of people might have to differ for what you have to say there. What, that they're not a bad team. I mean, yeah, no, I yeah. mean, that, that's, 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 that's not like over, like lighting it or whatever you want to say, because in some way they've got some weapons on their team to make them a decent team. But like, I think we talked about this, our last episode, I think, but when Bill O'Brien was put in a GM spot, that's really the wrong direction the Texans took. Cause he wasn't a poor coach. I don't think, I mean, obviously I think he destroyed that team, whether it would be, I don't know if it was really his coaching or his yeah GM moves with some of those trades he made so last coach, year. And, he was Tom Brady's offensive guy for a number of years in New England. So, I mean, he, as a coach, he's, he learned from Belichick. I mean, that trade he did with Jadavion Clowney last year, that was a terrible trade. I know I saw things online that was, they were doing like Madden simulations of that. Even the Madden video game wouldn't do that trade. It was like all 70 overall players for Jadavion Clowney. And then I know that uh, D hop trade was, Kind of shocking when that, that one happened. Was yet, I think that one was what? That one was worse yet, in my opinion. Well, right, yeah. You give away the best receiver in the league. I think you could have got more out of it. <laughs> but anyways, back to the Vikings game. They, I mean, literally in that final quarter, everything that went wrong could have. More specifically, in the final like five minutes, they completely dominated the game. They had the ball possession twice as much, twice as many offensive plays. Really the only time 
The, Seattle only scored in the first like seven. They scored 21 points in like the first seven minutes of the second half. But you go back to that fourth and inches play with like two, two and a half minutes left. Uh, Vikings could have kicked the field goal. I mean, I agree with going for it. Alexander Madison just ran into his own guy instead of ran, running one foot to the right where he would have got a first down. Fall inches short. And then your young D-backs come to fault. You have them stopped at fourth and ten. And they just throw a ball to DK Metcalf that wasn't even that good of a throw. The D-back just made a terrible play. And then again, down with like down by their 15-yard line, uh, Seattle needed a touchdown, not even a field goal, and fourth and 10, and they can't get that stop. So, like I said, they should have won that game. They should be 3-2. and two. They are a playoff-quality team, even with the poor play of Kirk Cousins. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I kept that kind of short. That was just my whole thoughts on that. Vikings should be a wild card team. Obviously, the Packers are better and should have the division, but I think the Vikings are better than the Bears. Yeah, I remember we we touched base with that issue in the Vikings the last couple episodes. Actually, how we feel like they're, and I th- I don't know if it was just me that said that, and then you said it as well. But I think I still made the comment that the Vikings could still be a ten win team and a wild card team out of the NFC North. So right. I know. One and four to start. And uh, you had, of course, like you mentioned, they, they had a little bit more of a difficult schedule to start. And there's nothing wrong with that because you get those better teams out of the way. The rest of your schedule can be a little bit more, the more easier. So in that case, you might give the Vikings a little bit of a break and might say, Hey, they, they're, of course, health has to factor in, too. So if Delvin Cook can stay healthy the rest of the year. Or oh, Anthony um, Barr's out for the year. Well, of course, that so. doesn't help either. So on your, especially on a defense that they have a weak secondary as it is. And, of course, you get a hit on the linebacker spot. No, but, yeah, like, I know a couple of weeks ago I was saying that, like, it was week two. I was saying, yeah, throw in the towel. But, I mean, looking at these first five weeks – it, like I said, it could be three and two. I, I blame that Colts loss on Kirk Cousins because he just played absolutely poor. Uh, there was really no excuse for that. But for the most part, other than those that Colts-Packers game, they have played pretty well. And that's with an injured Anthony Barr and an inexperienced uh, depth at corner. So, Yeah, and if, if I was just going to say, if, Alex, if Alexander Madison can – you know, Delvin Cook, we've seen now the last two or three years have that injury where he would get he would be sidelined for two to four weeks or whatever length of time. Then you see when he left the game and Madison came in, Madison ended up carrying the ball twenty times for 112 yards. So right, yeah, I'm I'm could, not concerned could, at all yeah. about the running backs. I like Madison. He is a very good backup. He could be a starter on a handful of teams. Um, He's a good receiving back, so he'll fill in nicely. And I know they said that they are going to limit Cooks this next week against Atlanta because they might not even play him at all, but they're for sure going to limit him because I know they have confidence in Madison, and it is against the Falcons, so that could make a difference too. Yep, that is very true. Okay, do you have any final thoughts on the Vikings? No, I think we can get into some of our fantasy talk we got here. All right, we'll commence with that. All right, so 
this next segment, we're kind of going to do what I call rookie roulette. So I'm going to give you two names, two or three names at a time. And we're going to talk about who would you rather have for fantasy? And then if you'd rather have, who would you rather have on like, if you were an NFL coach, who would you rather have on your team? Cause that can make a difference. So right away, we're going to start off with CD lamb and Justin Jefferson. So I'll let you go first. Well, obviously it'd be CD lamb, not just in a fantasy aspect, but, in an NFL talent aspect because a lot of people, you could have made the case that Lamb was the best receiver in this entire draft you know, over Henry Ruggs, who was the first wide receiver taken off the board. And Lamb was a third. Jerry, yeah. Yes. Lamb was the third one. And I believe Jefferson was the fourth one. No, he was uh Rager one ahead of. Oh yeah. Rager was, was ahead and Ayuk was just behind and so forth. But yeah, I take Lamb and obviously Maybe it's a little bit more hype to the to, to it because Lamb was really hyped coming out of Oklahoma. I mean Jefferson was too because Jefferson obviously had Burrow thrown to him at LSU. But just some of the plays that Ceedee Lamb can make, uh, the combination of agility and speed, you know, just things like that can makes him look like he's going to be the next real threat. And especially now, you know, as the Cowboys obviously lead the NFL in passing and receiving yards and Lamb and. If if, Mar- if Mari Cooper's not getting those touches, it's been Lamb, and Lamb's been proven to be a solid weapon. But yeah. the question done. Yeah. What I was just gonna say before I wrap up, the question remains is: Will production still come from Andy Dalton now that Dak Prescott is out for the year? Obviously, Dak Prescott had led the NFL on most of the passing statistics until that injury because they were down most of the of the of their games, and so that's why they'd be passing more. So. Will that be a factor in Lamb for the rest of the season? So that'll be uh, yet to be seen. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone has to go with Lamb just because the Cowboys' offense is a lot more passing-oriented and he's just had more opportunity. And I think he has solidified himself as that number two receiver in the offense over Gallup. So, I mean, not that Justin Jefferson could be just as talented. He just doesn't have as many passing opportunities in that as they do in that Cowboy offense. All right, so next one we got is Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert? That's actually a tough one. No one, you know, you're looking at the number one overall pick in this last year's draft against Justin Herbert, who had a really good game uh, against the Saints. Herbert thrown for four touchdown passes. That's, in fact, I um, am considering putting a free agent offer for him in fantasy football. So I guess if you look at it, I'm going to look at it as an aspect of NFL real life. It'd be Burrow. And then in fantasy, it'd be Herbert. Burrow obviously was the number one pick for a reason. He's looked good at times this year. I know the Bengals have been pretty awful, especially this last weekend. I mean, I was expecting Joe Mixon, who I traded for this last week, to go off. Well, they were down, like, what, is it 17 nothing or 27 nothing at one point. So it was, it was brutal. Cincinnati is still – Still far from being a playoff team yet, and if they can get a weapon or two, then I think you can see the talent that Burrow does. And in terms of fantasy, you look at Justin Herbert, who's got weapons like Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry at the tight end spot. You got Mike Williams at receiver. He's he's doing more than I actually thought. I mean, at one point, Herbert last year was a projected number one pick. He was. He was the number one quarterback in a lot of draft boards, including Mel Kuyper's and Todd McShay's kind of drifted off a little bit I mean you come from Oregon Oregon's more of a, a running back school as it was over the years and Marcus Mariota started to turn that point 
back in 2014 when he won the Heisman Trophy. So that's what I would go from as a fantasy aspect. I look at Herbert, and in an NFL aspect, I look at Joey Burrow. I mean, at this point, I think I'd honestly go with Herbert for both. Uh, I know, I mean, nothing, nothing against Joe Burrow. I mean, he's had three straight, other than this last week, he had three straight 300-yard games, which is a rookie record. But I just liked what I've seen out of Herbert so far. And his numbers that he's put up is just pretty great. Uh, he had like four touchdowns and 270-some yards or whatever it was. But I, I mean, I, I just want to point out, when he was a projected number one pick last year, I think, or he was a first-round pick and he came back or what, however the story went, you would assume that he, when he came back out this year, he'd be, he'd be ready. But in fact, from the, what the talks were, he didn't think he'd be ready. And that's why Tyrod Taylor was pretty much the starter right off the bat going into the Chargers. Well, it just so happened that with that injury and then being forced to go into that number one spot, you know, there was going to be a lot to blot on the line for Herbert to prove. And I don't, I don't think anybody expected him to make the impact as quick as he has. But in another aspect, we're not surprised because he was NFL ready. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I was expecting him to do what he's done so far. But like I said, I've enjoyed watching him play so far. And he's competed with some really good teams. Uh, I know he's lost those close ones against the Chiefs and now the Saints. But, yeah, he's definitely put up some good good games there. All right, next we got Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. I know it's kind of early because I think Hug, uh, Ruggs has had some injury problems, but – We'll just see oh. what you got for those Crimson Tide teammates. This is, such, this is such a tough one. Now, Judy has got a little bit more size where Ruggs has got a little bit more speed, even though Judy is pretty fast himself. Oh, it, it's so tough. Ruggs was taking, what, one one or two, three spots ahead of Judy in the draft. <sighs> I, think personally, yeah, not, I think personally for both, I'm going to go with Judy. I think Judy just has that uh, – like if you need a throw, you can throw it to him. Whereas Ruggs is going to be that deep threat. He's not going to be that guy. Like if you need like a catch in traffic, he might not get that. Where like I said, Judy is just that all around. I think he's got that threat for every level of that of a receiver. I was going to say in an NFL aspect, I was going to take Judy. And then so far from a fantasy perspective, Ruggs. You saw what Ruggs did this last week, and he had what two or three catches for a hundred some yards, and that touchdown. Yeah, I mean that. that that's just the one game, and he's had another game where he's done all okay. Judy hasn't had any all star Pro Bowl. Quizzes. Yeah, he hasn't had quarterback he's had, play, <laughs> but he's had consistent like 50, 60 yard receiving games so far. Right, and that's with would, their second and third string quarterback plans. In some way, I would take Judy in the NFL one and Rugs in the fantasy perspective, but then at the same time, I probably would take Judy at both as well. All right. Uh, next, we got Antonio Gibson and Joshua Kelly. <laughs> this is tough. Um, I haven't really seen Antonio Gibson play, but obviously seeing him in that number one role in Washington, I think he's the early impact he's making has surprised a lot of people. And being a part owner of Joshua Kelly this season, I he was he I traded him this week, this last week, is to get Joe Mixon as part of that trade. Joshua Kelly looks like he's struggling a little bit at some point. He's had opportunities to come in when now with Austin Eckler being hurt and Kelly's 
in terms of being an every down back, it's look like looks like he's struggling a bit, having trouble hanging on to the football. He's got a few fumbles so far this season, something they don't want in that Charger lineup. They were hoping to ease away from that once Melvin Gordon left because Melvin Gordon had a fumble problem. Otherwise, so far, I would have to say Gibson for both just because he's been pretty consistent so far on a, on a low-tier Washington team. Right, yeah, I agree. That's a tough one. Like, I also haven't seen Gibson play too much just because the Redskins don't get that national attention. But I like the flashes that Kelly's had. Washington football team. Yeah, sorry. I like the flashes that Kelly had. I know that one game he had, like, 25 carries. And I think the Chargers are kind of replicate what they had with Gordon. I know they like Eckler kind of in that more receiving back. Um, I think for fantasy right now, Gibson's been more consistent, but I think I'd go with Kelly and then maybe, I think honestly Kelly for both. I think you'll get more consistency right now with Gibson, but I think you'll get bigger numbers with Kelly. Well, if the way Herbert plays up, the Chargers really might not have a, as focal of a running game as you think. Right. All right, we got two more then. Uh, Chase Claypool and T. Higgins. Well, you can certainly see it from the weekend that Chase Claypool had that you pro- I probably would throw him up there. And I, T. Higgins has been a solid player too coming out of Clemson. I wanted the Packers to even take him first round in the draft this last year, knowing who was going to be picked at the wide receiver position. T. Higgins, one of those quick – Fast guys out of out of the southeast portion of the country where most of those Florida Georgia players come from, I think right and right like I said the Bengals are, are a hard team to look at, so it's I, I'm gonna go with uh, Claypool right now for just both? because he's been lighting up for for both right actually you know what from a fantasy I'm gonna go for a fantasy perspective for Claypool and NFL perspective from T Higgins just because T Higgins is more of a notable guy right, I would agree. That's and what I was gonna kind of go with. If, Clay, if Claypool can kind of keep it going, that might change then. Right. All right. And then so for our last one, we got a three-person one. This one's actually tougher than you might think. So we got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, and James Robinson. Well, out of the three, I'm sure the best performing one so far has been Robinson right. and Taylor. Short, shortly behind him, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had that good week one, and then kind of drifted off as Patrick Mahomes got his production in. I would I'm try not to be biased here, but I actually probably would put Jonathan Taylor number one. Well, you got to talk just are you going because for fantasy I, or for in real life. I'm going to rank him real life right now. In real life, I'd rank Taylor first, then I'd rank probably Clyde Edwards Hilaire and then Robinson. Yep, I know Robinson's been very good so far. And in an NFL perspective, I would put maybe Clyde Edwards I mean, first, fantasy. then Taylor, then Robinson. Or, yes, yeah, sorry. Where are you going now? What's your fantasy one for that? The fantasy one would be Taylor one, Edwards Hilaire two. Actually, I put Robinson two, Edwards Hilaire three. And NFL one, I would put Edwards Hilaire one, Taylor two, Robinson three. I think, yeah, NFL, I think I'm going to go Taylor, Hilaire, and then Robinson. And then fantasy, I mean, that one's tough right now. I think, yeah, like we said, Robinson is actually leading for points out of all three of them. So I think for, it's kind of a wash. I mean, you want to say Hilaire just because he was that, High fantasy pick that many people expected, and Robinson kind of came out of nowhere. So, I don't know. I'm washing that one out. I'm not answering that one. <laughs> All right. So that was our last one, and then to wrap up our fantasy, uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna rattle off some names, 
and you're going to tell me, is it time to give up on them having them in your lineup or even on your team? All right, so number one, we're going to go with start off with A.J. Green. Uh, give, up, give, up, give up on your team. So don't even have him on your roster? Probably I not. Mean, yes, I'd probably agree, but you never know with the trade deadline coming up. If he can – if he can get shipped elsewhere, I think he can be some value. He, he well, the Bengals franchise tagged him this earlier this year. If you remember, oh, that. did they? All so, right, yeah. number next one we got T. Y. Hilton. Uh, out of the lineup, mostly because health related issues. Green, obviously health, but they just the Bengals are a poor team right now, and they can't get that consistent production when you've got Boyd. Yeah, I and uh, I've had the poor luxury of having T.Y. in for multiple poor games this year already. So he finally had a double-digit performance this last week. Yeah, just can't stay healthy, but yeah, out of the lineup. All right, the next one we got is Hayden Hurst. <laughs> one of the guys I got my in the draft, my trade, along with uh, Joe Mixon. Obviously, it's <laughs> – depending who you got, I'd probably keep him in the lineup. Tight end depth isn't that big, and he's probably in the uh, – I'd probably say the 8 to 14 range for tight ends. Yeah, that's a tough one. He's struggled these last couple of weeks. But, I mean, with that high passing volume that the Falcons go with, you got to assume that he has big games coming. All right, next we got Mark Ingram. Um, in terms of his talent, he should be a starter, but right now at the – the way the the lineup is shaking out, I'd probably keep him. Obviously, depending on who your what your lineup consists of, either he's in your starting lineup or he's on your bench. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I dropped him in my one fantasy league. Just does it? He always is getting like six, seven carries a game, and I don't know. The Ravens are just they're just what happens when you have a running quarterback. Well, they're just spreading the wealth around with Dobbins and Edwards too. So, all right, yeah. Uh, all right, next we got Zach Ertz. Uh, starter. He may not be as uh, reliable in the passing game, but he's always, when you're one of the best tight ends in the league, you never know when you're going to go off, even with uh, so far a poor passing game coming from a, a very fragile Wentz. Uh, this one is a tough one for me because I have Ertz and then I also have Hawkinson on one of mine, so I'm kind of debating back and forth who I want there. I mean, Ertz... Ertz one at tight end, one at flex. Well, I mean, you could, but Ertz has been struggling. I think he had one, maybe two points this last week. All right, next we got Michael Gallup. Uh, out of your lineup, but on your, but keep him on your yep. team, especially the production that uh, Lamb and Cooper have gotten, as well as the tight end Dalton Schultz. And now with Dak Prescott going out, it might be a hit to the production. I more. mean, also uh, Gallup could be one of Dalton's target, like. He might, uh, Dalton might prefer throwing to Gallup over Lamb or something like that. So you never know. Uh, yep. Brandon Cooks. I know he just had a big game this week after having a poor season so far. So this one's kind of a tough one, too. <laughs> I'm going to put him on the waiver between your lineup and then your starting lineup and then your bench. Yeah, I'm going to have him on the bench right now. Uh, I don't know if one game is just enough to throw him into the lineup after what he's had so far. But I think maybe with a new coach running things, that might get him going a little bit. All right. So we got four left then. Uh, Carson Wentz. On your bench? Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if I want him on my team. I don't have him on any of my teams, but it's hard to even hold a roster spot for him. 
Uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, out of your lineup, obviously, because he's kind of hurt right now, but he's one of the he's a top twelve running back in the I'm, league, so you have to have him on. That's just a roster. tough one right now because I don't I don't know what the situation is going to be when he comes back because Jones has been playing pretty well. I don't know if they're going to try to do some more committee because Jones is a better receiver. Jones is hit or miss, so you never know. And Fournette had a career high in receiving yards last year in Jacksonville with five hundred fifty some yards, and he. When he is fully healthy, he could you can say he's a top seven or eight back. So you gotta you gotta keep him when fully healthy in your lineup. All right. Because I don't because I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. He, yeah, he he took over the Jones spot that one game because Jones may be playing well now, just, but Ronald Jones. I just Ronald don't Jones. Think he fits that Buccaneer offense because Tom Brady likes those dump off passes, and I think that fits Jones more. All right. Uh, two more. We got Austin Hooper. It's pretty much the same thing for Hurst. You got to keep him in your lineup just because of the tight end depth in the league. Yeah, he's he had a slow start, but he's actually picking it up. Uh, two weeks ago, I think he had fifteen, and then this last week, he, I think he had like nine, maybe. So, I don't. And the Browns are playing pretty well right now, so that's confidence for Baker to keep slinging it. Yep, and we'll get our last one in here before we wrap up. All right, and this last one may be the most disappointing pick of fantasy. That's Kenyon Drake. Um, probably on out of your lineup. Yeah, it's. I know this last week. I think he had the same amount of carries as Chase Edmonds. I think they both had like eight carries. So yeah, Drake hasn't produced at all. It's hard to have him in there. Yep. Alrighty, and is anything else before we wrap this up? No, I think we got it all. Alrighty. All right, that'll wrap us up with the NFL and fantasy football portion of this episode. And when we take a quick break here and when we come back, we'll get into some NBA final discussion. So stay with us and we will come back. Hey, everybody, welcome back. And we're going to get into some NBA final stuff. We just recently finished, concluded the NBA bubble season, which started back up on the end of July. And we uh, finally are done here midway through October. And the LA Lakers are your 2020 NBA finals champions after defeating the Heat 4-2 to in the series. The Heat, or excuse me, the Lakers ended up knocking off the Heat on Sunday night, 106-93 to and... LeBron James, now with his fourth NBA reign. Anthony Davis on the ring column for the first time. Both those guys had triple doubles on Sunday night. And, of course, there'll be more debate with LeBron. Anthony Davis had a triple-double? Oh, excuse me. No, sorry. He had a double-double, but not a triple. He had 19 19 and 15. Sorry, I read read the wrong line. But LeBron LeBron had a triple-double. LeBron had a triple-double. But, yeah, so – now that LeBron's an NBA champion again for the first time since that 16-17 season or 16 season, he's up to number four. He's also won. He was also your 2020 NBA Finals MVP. So <laughs> you're going to see every time you talk about or you hear LeBron in the playoffs, you're going to kind of hear that debate. Oh, 
like to bring his name up and Michael Jordan's name up, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I, I understand this is a bubble season. It's so, it's really different than what the regular season playoff could have accounted for fans and et cetera. I get that. I think that the bucks would have had a different outcome in the playoffs. If we would have had the regular, uh, regular circumstances, I think the Clippers would have had a regular outcome given the circumstances, but you can't, you can't, you can't deny, you can't deny how LeBron, a 36 year old LeBron, or excuse me, 35 year old LeBron had performed the rest this whole regular season before the, before the, uh, COVID thing took over after the season return and in, in the playoffs. You can't deny how great he is at 36 years old. That he's still putting up numbers and leading a team. We're, we're like, it just it's it's unreal. He needs credit where it's yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever see something like what he is doing again, producing the volume that he's at at his age. And so, there's no signs of slowing down. I mean, he had a career high in assists this year too. He said he's got a lot of years left in him. And that's scary for the rest of the league because I, I think – I forgot where the article I saw was on, but most of the – they have a poll like every year. And they poll other NBA, all the players in the league asking who's the best player in the league. And the majority of them will say LeBron James is. This was actually like the first year and like I forgot how many years it was, if it was like almost 10 years, that LeBron wasn't the number one player coming into the NBA this year. And I guess look at how that turned out. <laughs> well, yeah, he produced he produced like almost I think it was like twenty nine point eight points, and then like uh, ten eleven boards and nine assists, shooting a career high in the finals, fifty nine percent, and he shot over forty percent from three. I was really shocked on how how much playing time Danny Green kept getting just by how. Oh, or, don't even get me started. He, I mean, he did shoot three for seven behind the arc on Sunday, and just by I mean. Maybe that's a good thing by Coach Vogel by not pulling him, knowing that you're just gonna you're just gonna take his confidence away from him. So in that aspect, he kept Green in there, and he just I mean he's got experience with the you. Players. You don't need to keep somebody's confidence when you're fighting for a championship in the final games of the season. At that point, if you suck, you're coming out. <laughs> I get a feeling though. I don't think this is the last time we see the Heat in the finals within the next five six years. Now that the, yeah, probably not. They might be a good. I'm sure they're going to be a hot free agent destination. Now that they got experience underneath their belt, I think that that's going to be a big time, big time thing. You know, this was Jimmy Butler's first finals, and he was absolutely spectacular, especially in Game Five, keeping the right. Yeah, I mean, other than other than, I guess they have that good mix of veteran play with the youth. I mean, you have the veterans and. Butler, Crowder, and Iguodala, and then you have your youth and Adebayo, Harrow, uh, Robinson. So I think that's what they have going for them. I don't know if Iguodala and Crowder are guys that are going to be coming back next year. I think those are kind of just rentals, so I think it's up to them at this point. Yeah, but, yeah. like I said, I, I know that uh, there was a lot of free agent rumors talking about Miami being a hot destination. Yeah, it's it'll be yet to be seen. I'm not gonna. I'm curious to see what they will do because this is normally the time where the next NBA season would be ready to start off here in October. So we'll see what the NBA decides to do if they're gonna give them so much of a break or start at the the new year. I know hockey season, which usually is the same schedule format and same time format as NBA, 
for what I heard, they're going to take a short break and they're going to try to get ready to go again within the, uh, their next month. I know. I thought, uh, I thought I saw somewhere that said they don't really want to start the NBA until fans can kind of start going back into arenas. That's what I heard anyways. That's because I know they said they obviously don't want to do a bubble situation. Again. Yeah. I understand that. Cause then you're stuck in, NBA, these players and fans, or well, that's... and executives haven't seen their their families now in over a couple months. I can understand that, but well, that's hard to do when you have an extra eight teams going. Then yeah, but also. we don't know what's going to happen down the road with that, so it'd be kind of hard to to dictate. Don't give them some time off. Give them like a, maybe like a month or two, and if nothing good, no good news comes up with that, I think they might have to do another bubble. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to look forward, though, in these next upcoming months. I know mid-November you got the NBA draft, which is should be exciting like always. And then I know they're targeting, I think, December 1st for the start of free agent. That's going to be big for all teams, especially the Bucks, because that's where they need to make yeah. some magic. So I kind of wish we were not on the same page with the whole Jordan and LeBron debate here, because... I saw a lot of good uh, points for why LeBron is the GOAT over this weekend because that, that was obviously the big thing. I know they asked LeBron in his interview, so he said he let, he'll let us decide. So, but uh, well, I, Actually, so on ESPN, there was an article that was put out, and there was a panel of, of guys that contributed to the report, and basically what it said that – it kind of made the case there was predictions and MB, this panel forecasted answering big questions about Michael Jordan and LeBron again. And then we've had this the last several years now, especially I think mostly it was when LeBron won that championship with Cleveland, how much more that they talked about them. But now that he won another ring, they're talking about it even more now. And there's pr- more people that are kind of getting a f- familiar with saying LeBron is starting to become goat status. Here's one thing. And I, we've had numerous friendly arguments with people we know about this debate we can go on and on and on about it we've talked about even having episodes that we've have bringing people on but what i uh what i notice so too and i've heard people say well if lebron gets to, to six rings like jordan then maybe maybe i'll i'll change my mind about him but i you, you're still hearing more criticism about this and it's tough here's the thing it doesn't matter. These two are the greatest two players of all time with Kareem a close third. So I don't care how you rank your one or two players. As long as these two are the two best players in the league, that's fine. Right. Two I, best players that will play the game. I know. We, but we, we, we both put LeBron number one the last few years just because he's the way he, the things he does. Right. We have a, a group chat with, some buddies from work and that was we were kind of talking about that today what does this mean for the goat situation and people and there was like a thing online that was saying how uh lebron wouldn't be who he was if it wasn't for like d wade and like the players that he has and we were we were kind of mentioning also not not that we were defending lebron but we were just also including that well jordan wouldn't be who he was without uh pippen rodman phil jackson and I actually just watched a video a couple hours ago. It was a Nick Wright video, and he got in a big argument with a handful of other analysts. And I don't know. Nick Nick Wright's a pretty big LeBron supporter, and 
he was basically reiterating the fact that Jordan definitely wouldn't be the wouldn't have been the player he was if it wasn't for Pippen. Because before Pippen got to the Bulls, Jordan was a combined two of six against the Pistons, Celtics, and Magic Dynasties at that time. He couldn't get past them. And then if you look at the players that LeBron has prevented from getting rings in this like over this last decade, it's just incredible the players who haven't gotten a ring. But in that time that Jordan was in the air when he was still winning, because that's all we look at. We look at the years he won the ring. We don't look at any of the other years. Magic's got a ring. Bird got a ring. Isaiah Thomas, Akeem Dreckler, Shaq, Kobe, uh, Robinson, Duncan, even Kareem got one in there. This is all during Jordan's era. So this isn't just the we, – we can't just look at the years that they've won. you got to look at the other years. And you <laughs> – it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up too, because because some half those guys won the rings than the year LeBron didn't play either. Like Duncan had got a ring, obviously beating LeBron there in his last year at Miami. Uh, but you, I, I guess I can't always look at the ring aspect because right, at, I know, you, but that's that's what they, they, Jordan I'm, people are gonna bring up. Though. That's what they always right. bring but up. I, Another thing I'm trying to say is you, the, another thing they look at is his finals record and this and that. Well, a lot of people consider Tom Brady to be the greatest quarterback of all time, and he's got what three or four Super Bowl losses. Right. I understand. Uh, I understand Brady's got five rings, but if Le- LeBron gets the five or six rings, are they still? Is that still going to be the issue? I think. I mean, I think Kareem. Kareem never lost. Kareem huh? has three finals losses. I'm pretty sure. Well, another thing is LeBron has never lost in the first round where Jordan has multiple times. And, and yeah, you could make the case that LeBron needed Scottie Pippen before he could take off. I understand that. Now here's one question. I don't remember the exact answer has LeBron has, excuse me, has Michael Jordan gone to the NBA finals without Pippen? Did they go before Scottie Pippen came in to the Bulls organization? I don't believe so. Because I know LeBron went there in his fourth year in the league in 07 with that Cavs team, which was atrocious. Was a very poor team, and the Spurs annihilated him in the finals in 07. So, I mean, it, it's so tough because you look at different eras. The rules have drastically changed. You have social media that has really taken a storm. And I mean, and I, I think a lot of people put more of a hate toward LeBron just because of who he is off the court. He likes to get into politics. I, I know people don't like that. I get I mean, that. LeBron is better off the court than Jordan was. Look at how much LeBron does. Uh, he has his own school. He's doing all these foundations. Yeah, and that's another thing LeBron doesn't get credit for. People see him as – when they look at him off the court as being someone that speaks out, and which is f- funny because I think every American has had the right to speak out according to our Constitution. Just oh, right. but, but that doesn't have, that doesn't have anything to do with the GOAT conversation. No, but that, it's it's a big reason why people don't like to view him as a goat. They they like to view him as public enemy number one, and they will that will affect people's opinion and image of LeBron's status for goat. I think I know we've talked about it before, but the own the two arguments that everyone brings up is the finals record for both of them, and then the help that LeBron has had. But it just it just bothers me so much. Like we've already said, Jordan just wouldn't be the player he was. He had an incredible every, amount of help with Pippen, every, Rodman, every, Kerr, the coach. 
No, LeBron has never had a coach like Phil Jackson, and he never will. If he had a coach like Phil Jackson, he'd have ten rings by now. I mean, look at look at the coaches he had. He gave Ty Lue a ring. I'm sure we could have coached the Cavaliers better than Ty Lue could. He got Mike Brown to the NBA Finals in 07. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just frustrating. Like, LeBron had – I mean, Jordan had arguably one of the top three greatest all-around players in terms of offense, He's defense. My, and Bill pitching. Jackson's my second co- greatest coach of all time behind Popovich. Right. And then you got the greatest rebounder of all time, and then you have some of the best six men and then just, like, shooters of all time with, like – But here, here's the thing. Jackson. Every NBA champion – has had multiple weapons on their team. Has had multiple all-stars pretty much. Right, how, it's not some how can NBA finals teams anybody? are not underdogs. NBA finals teams are not underdogs. They're not. Every team has had weapons. Spurs have had weapons when they've won with Duncan and Parker Ginobili and David Robinson. You look at the Warriors obviously with Curry and Thompson and Green and when Kevin Durant joined in. All of those guys. The Rockets too back in the days when they won that. The Lakers Celtics, all those teams had multiple guys and pretty much all-star caliber players in the role spots. Every team's going to have those players. I think we can't. I think really the only team that you could argue for over the last like twenty years. Okay, maybe that that Cavaliers team in 07. and then you could you could argue. I mean, it's not in the same caliber because they were, they had good players. But last year's Raptor team, they had Kawhi, but then the players they had last year didn't shine like they are now like that was like the breakout year for a lot of those players you, you could you could make a quiet case for kobe back in 2010 or well, 09 whenever the lakers he, won the championship he still had good players with like gasol and bynum and yeah but Fisher. most of those other guys were kind of they didn't really play well in right the but yeah like i said they have their star and then they have other solid role players but now like other than those few examples everybody else has had at least two stars that it just can dominate at least two because you got that Warriors in there where their whole team is an another, all-star. Another, another thing I look at, now, now Jordan has played against a lot of Hall of Famers. I will give him that, whether it was Barkley or Stockton Malone, Drexler, Olajuwon, on and on and on. Now, personally, has Michael Jordan had to guard those guys one-on-one? Well, Not many opportunities. I, Most of the guys, I'm just, I'm just looking at individual matchups because Jordan could have went off on guys like Danny Ainge and Craig Edel while those guys were good. Are you going to really say that's as good of a matchup as LeBron going up against Giannis or Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant? Right. Where those guys are some of the most athletic players of all time. I got to, I got to look at it again. Like going back to that Nick Ray video I just watched, maybe I'll share that on the Wenzel perspective Twitter. I forgot exactly what it was, but it only talked about Jordan facing like one hall of fame. Like, Yes, he faced multiple good players. It, I don't know if it's when it was without Scotty. I think it was when he didn't have Scotty on his team. He only beat like a hall, like one player that was in the Hall of Fame. I think that's what it was. You're talking actually in the NBA Finals? No, just in playoffs in general. He only beat a, a player that was, was a Hall of Famer one time without was that, without Scotty. Was that, it was probably Larry Bird, right? I. I can't recall exactly. Like I said, I'll have to share that video. Yeah, yeah. I it, that's it, that'll be a never-ending de- debate in all sports. Yeah, I, think, I don't think it'll end unless LeBron wins another five rings. <laughs> but here's the thing, though: LeBron could have 
could let's say LeBron plays another seven, eight years and he wins another three or four reigns and he finishes with seven or eight reigns, people most people are still gonna say Jordan's the greatest player ever. And that's fine, because like I said, it doesn't matter how you rank them. These two guys are the top players of all time. And there'll be somebody that has people that have Kareem in there somewhere and Kobe and I understand that, but I, I, I think now that with the Flakers winning the finals, I think you can give LeBron another case. And like I said, you can't go off of how you feel about LeBron politically or off the court and all that. Cause he actually is a good guy. You can't even say that just, you can't even say though, the year was a wash either. Cause I saw people like ESPN analysts were saying that this was LeBron's most impressive finals just because everything that's had to go through. Yeah. The roster might look like and appear a little weaker than previous finals teams that LeBron has faced. But just the journey to get there and with everything going on is what makes it impressive. I know people, there's a lot of stat comps too, and everybody's like, well, Jordan's got more of this and a span or this and that. He's got he's got more steals and blocks and all this, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I get that. But just be, stats, while they make a difference, they're not as like the only reason why you have to look at the comp between the two guys. So it's – it you got to look at it more of a, a few other different perspectives when it comes to that to this debate. So that's like you said, it'll be never, never, and never ending debating between these two guys. And I just want to like reiterate to people that you can't look at off the courts. You're off a court, excuse me. You're off a court opinion of LeBron as being a factor for being contending a contending player for the greatest of all time. That's what I mean. You got to look at him as a player only and what he does on the floor. All right. Like I said, you also got to look outside of those two reasons that I said earlier. Yeah. But before we start closing to wrap this up, I will say LeBron also has never punched a teammate too. (laughs) (laughs) Where Michael Jordan reportedly had punched Steve Kerr in practice. And I think he punched Randy Brown in practice too. (laughs) So, that's what I was told. Now, if that was the case today, the way social media is, LeBron would be suspended. People would demand his release, this and that, blah, blah, blah. So, you got to admit, Jordan was kind of an ass. I mean, even some of his comments off the floor about winning and all this and that is he's, he's kind of an ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's only just a brief uh, brief summary of it all. Well, and we can always go into it more and more, but as we kind of are ready to wrap it up here, do you have any other final thoughts that you'd like to add in about the Lakers heat finals? I think one thing, I think the last thing I'll say is it was kind of cool to see some of those guys on the Lakers roster get a ring like Dwight Howard. Yes. And I was, I'm very happy for Dwight Howard. Rondo getting another ring. I've always been a Rondo fan. Well, Rondo's got one with the Celtics, yeah, I know. obviously. I've another ring. I'm I'm happy for Dwight Howard mostly because you know he came in a year after LeBron and I will say this Dwight Howard while the center is the center position is obviously depleted in the NBA and there are so many Hall of Fame players in that spot Dwight Howard is the last true center that we've seen in the NBA and Joel Embiid is kind of changing that a little bit because we haven't seen it Joel Embiid being a true center since Dwight Howard's Magic days 
but I'm so I'm glad Howard did because I think Dwight Howard is a Hall of Fame player. Oh no, yeah. If you look, if you look he's, at his resume, what, it's definitely Hall of Fame quality. He's just it's I mean, just been overshadowed over the last five six years with everything that's went on. He didn't have that exciting of a team back with the Magic. They had some decent players, but I think that was when the Lakers beat him that year in '09. Yep. When Kobe and Gasol and Bynum. But Dwight Howard is not Dwight Howard a three or four or five time defensive player of the year? Yeah. He's led the and he's like eight, eight NBA time all NBA. He's led the NBA in rebounding and blocks for several years. He's one of the most athletic players of all time. I think he can probably dunk on the highest set hoop of all he's time. Got, he's got a dunk championship in there, I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, he dunked on that 12-foot hoop, but he made that look easy, too. I bet you he can probably dunk on a 13-foot hoop. Even at 6'11 and 260, that's still a pretty big dude to go up and, and throw it down. So, yes, I hope Dwight Howard does get his his uh, chance for the Hall of Fame after it's all said and done. Yep. But otherwise, if you have nothing else. No, I think that about did it. And, of course, we can debate this on and on and on, and maybe one day we will so. Well, I'm sure. But otherwise, be more. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Otherwise, that's going to wrap it us, wrap up with us here. And we're going to hopefully get back to you with uh, some more good stuff in the upcoming episodes of the Lens of Perspective. But with that being said, that's all for us tonight. And hopefully we will see you back for our next episode coming up soon. So everybody take care and have a great night.